Welcome. This is Kathy. And today I'm talking with Chaplain Kevin, who as a young boy heard a call to ministry. On his journey to say yes to God, he encountered obstacles along the way, but ultimately discovered the true meaning of calling. This is Coping. Well, hi, Kevin. It's great to have you here. It's appropriate that you'll be ending this season, and I'm excited to interview you. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I'm excited to share my story, and uh, I thought this was a really good idea, so thank you. Sure, you're welcome. So as I was reviewing your story, I noticed that a theme that is pulled throughout your story is this notion of calling. Could you tell us what your definition of calling is? Yeah, so I've thought long and hard about this definition. Um, and I think it just comes down to saying yes to God. Tell me what it means to say yes to God. You know, I think when we traditionally think about someone who is called, especially in the uh, Christian church, we think of, you know, pastors, ministers, those that um, work in full-time ministry. But when I talk about calling, I'm talking more about the the idea that all of us are called in whatever vocation we're in, um, whatever role or title we have, um, we can dedicate that job, that role that we have uh, back to God. And can you tell me in your life when you first sensed uh, that you needed to say yes to God or you began to hear mm. that calling? Um, I can't remember how old I was, but I, actually we grew up Catholic, so we were sitting um, in the middle of Mass mm-hmm. uh, with my family and remembering this sense, um, almost the way I describe it as like this audible voice of God um, hmm. whispering to me very gently, uh, very compassionately um, telling me that one day I'll be the one standing up there. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what that meant, but I just had this this leaning or this drawing towards um, not just sitting in the pew, but you know, being up on the altar, being part of the service in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as a good Catholic boy, uh, that led me to becoming an altar boy. I was old enough to be able to start serving um, in mass and participate in the service in that way. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, our church was very vibrant um, growing up. We had a very charismatic priest who um, uh, preached very passionately and um, I, I felt very connected to this church community growing up and um, serving as an altar boy felt like a good um, next step for me. I remember doing that for a few years and um, our priest um, actually was the first person to turn to me and say, uh, Kevin, when you get older, you're going to be a priest and you're going to be a really good priest. Um, I'm pretty sure now as I got older that he said that to every altar boy, <laughs> but I took it to heart. I, I really felt like um, there is something about what he said that rang true for me, that there's something about my faith um, and my calling mm-hmm. that I needed to be an active participant in uh, the service of other people. Wow, that's quite a story. But it's also sounds like a really simple way to begin answering the call mm-hmm. is just by saying yes. Yeah. As you said yes at a young, early mm-hmm. age, what opportunities um, began to come your way? When I was going into fifth grade, uh, my parents made what seemed like a very radical decision to send my brother and I to a private Christian school. Um, hmm. 
you know, we were Catholic, so sending us to a school that was very like Protestant, more Presbyterian leaning was a leap of faith for them to send us to this school. Um, But they felt like it was the right thing for us and um, felt committed to us having a Christian education. So so it was the first time that I would sit in academic classes and hear teachers talk about um, their personal relationship with God, uh, with Jesus specifically. Mm-hmm. They would do Bible studies and talk about these heroes of faith. And there's something about it that I just felt really drawn to and felt um, like, gosh, I I want to live like that. I, mm-hmm. I want to be a hero of faith. I, I want to live my life mm-hmm. in a way that um, is serving outside of myself, I'm, that I'm serving others, that I'm living for a higher purpose, if you will. I remember at that age, I had been just in my heart sort of asking God questions like, if you exist, um, you know, can you, can you like reveal yourself to me so I know that like you, you are real, that you exist, mm-hmm. uh, the, the innocence of uh, that age mm-hmm. um, and, and calling out to God uh, is quite sweet when I think about it now, but um, God and his um, majesty and sovereignty answered in a way that I could understand and way that felt real to me. Um, so that Saturday morning, I was at a soccer game, and um, I remember seeing a rainbow. Hmm. Um, and when I saw the rainbow, I just was flooded with these emotions and um, re- remembering my ask of God to reveal himself in, in a real way to me and just felt overcome by what felt like um, his love for me and hmm. um, felt like if God, if the God of the universe was making himself known to me in this way, how can I make myself known to him um, with my life? Wow. And I wonder for those of us, myself included, who don't have a lot of those experiences, mm-hmm. how does God reveal the opportunities to mm-hmm. say yes in like everyday life? Mm-hmm. Such a good question. Um, there was this class I took in seminary that talks about, you know, conversion being, you know, both this capital C conversion, much like what what mm-hmm. I described of like this very vivid memory of like giving my life to God. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other kind of conversion and, and the professor described it as like um, that you in your heart over a long period of time say yes so often mm. that you don't have a very vivid one time conversion experience. But instead, your heart is leaning in the direction of God and you say yes quietly in your heart so often that it's not something that you remember doing in a drastic way, but something that you've done so faithfully that um, Hmm. the conversion is still there, the Hmm. saying yes is still there, the faith is still there. Hmm. Um, But that like um, memorable experience is just stretched over a lifetime. Great, that makes complete sense. Uh, you were saying yes as a young boy, and then you got to make like a profession of faith. And then what happens oftentimes, I know, is that obstacles come in the way of mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. in experiences and challenges to the call. So what happened in your journey mm-hmm. next? So for me, opposition came in the form um, first uh, you know, with school academically. I uh, was not a very good student um, in my middle school and high school years, especially. Hmm. Um, would slowly, um, over time, uh, fall more and more behind. They didn't realize then, I've come to learn um, as an adult, having some learning differences and hmm. um, not learning in the in the traditional academic way. Um, and so uh, that carried on all the way to about my senior year of high school when um, I actually failed my senior year of high school, if you can believe it, um, hmm. and vowed that I would never go back to school ever again. Um, I just remember like being up at night 
you know, crying with like the homework assignments that I just couldn't, um, couldn't get myself to do, whether it was because of these mental blocks, because of my learning differences, or um, just because I was so far behind at that point that I just didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing and Hmm. um, really felt alone. Like I didn't have a lot of help, Um, but it was my senior year. There was a math class. There was one teacher who um, said to me, "Um, you may hate me now, but I think there'll come a day where you'll look back and you'll be grateful um, that I didn't just pass you along, um, that you got the grade that you deserved. um, And I'm sorry. Hmm. Um, So he gave me an F um, and uh, he's right. I I deserved it. That was the grade that I had earned. Hmm. um, And it sent me... um, like I said, to this commitment of, you know, never going back to school ever again. I I was over it. I was done. Mm -hmm. Even in the backdrop of you being able to say yes, a lot of times I think that when we say yes to God, then everything's going to fall neatly into place. And your story illustrates Mm -hmm. that that is the opposite actually happens. What other challenges came your way as a result Mm -hmm. of saying yes? Yeah, there, there were certainly other struggles, you know, academia being felt like the, the, the biggest one. Um, my mom and my, my biological father divorced when I um, was young before I can even remember. But mm-hmm. then my mom remarried um, when I was four. And so my mom and my stepdad raised us. But, um, you know, my senior year when things were the toughest for me, I, I started to sense that something was changing in our family. My parents felt distant to one another. Um my stepdad um, was traveling a lot more alone than he had used to for business. And um, it, it was, I think, October, November that they um, sat me down and uh, basically explained that they were going through a divorce. And hmm. it was just a few months that went by that they basically sold the house that I grew up in. Um, my stepdad moved into his own apartment. And Mm -hmm. um, my mom moved back to New Jersey where her family was. And I was like failing out of high school. My parents were going through a divorce. I moved in with a friend temporarily and just felt like lost at this uh, Mm -hmm. stage of my life where you would typically be launching into uh, your life, launching into, you know, adulthood. I was sort of Mm -hmm. um, hitting rock bottom, if you Mm -hmm. will. Yeah. So one thing that was going well, I should say, um, I had in middle school, um, started modeling, you know, and I grew up in Miami, Florida, and it's a big modeling scene there. And so being a creative person, I felt like that was something that I wanted to participate in. And I did. And my mom and dad were very supportive and, you know, put me in classes and got me headshots and uh, got me an agent. And Mm -hmm. I was with Wilhelmina Models Miami, one of the premier uh, modeling agencies in Miami. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, would go out for jobs here and there and really enjoyed it and got some, you know, pretty good residuals as they say from um, some of the work and as I went into my junior and senior year of high school uh, my agent started sending me out for commercial auditions so not just like Hmm. not just print ads but tv commercial and Mm -hmm. at that time I booked an American Express commercial a Bell South commercial and also a Nike Champs commercial as I was failing as my parents um, parents marriage was coming to an end this was the one glimmer of hope for me I felt Mm -hmm. like this is what mm-hmm. I want to do. I'm not going to go back to school ever again, but what I want to do is move to Los Angeles and pursue my acting career. Mm. Well, you bring up an important point for calling that not only does the it become darker at points, but there is still a light on in the backdrop and we have to look for the light. Mm-hmm. And even in the midst of your world falling Mm -hmm. apart, there was still a light 
that was pointing you in a direction. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point because whenever I feel like God is calling me to say yes again, God's always pointing in the direction um, of the way that I should go. It's never like this very specific, tangible thing that I should do. And then Mm -hmm. I do the thing and I answered the call and then God is proud. It's often not very specific. It's very directional. Uh, And, you know, that's kind of been consistent throughout my life that um, at that time in my senior year, I felt that God was calling me to Los Angeles. Mm. I had an idea that I wanted to pursue my acting career, but I was confident that this is the next place, the next step for me to go. Right. So like the calling um, that God has for us um, is often directional. And what we're saying yes to is to him, obviously, but the plan that he's giving us is a path and we just have to walk down the pathway, not have to say yes to the thing at the end of it. It's not destinational. It's directional. Right. And I often say sometimes it's follow the crumbs. So follow the crumbs of where you are meant to go. It's very much within where your passions lie Mm -hmm. and what you like to do. Um, It seems sometimes super Mm -hmm. obvious, but if you follow the crumbs, you will then see the next crumb and the next crumb. Yeah, absolutely. Follow the crumbs. And I feel like that goes back to this idea of like the capital C calling, the lower C calling, like because I've had that capital C calling in my life, I think I often naturally look for those like big, like life changing moments. And I think the faith that I've had to develop is to say yes to those little C callings. I think for me, it's harder to say yes to the breadcrumbs, to follow the pathway when I don't know exactly where it's going to lead. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Be Well Resources. Be Well is a wellness organization that provides mental and spiritual tools for whole person health. Be Well helps you develop your unique gifts and discover your calling. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Be Well Resources to take your next steps toward being well. Welcome back. And so your directional calling takes you to Los Angeles. What happens there? So part of the plan in me moving to Los Angeles was to attend the American Academy of Dramatic Arts to at least have a transition from, you know, being in school and coming to L.A. So it wasn't quite school. It was more like creative school. But I continued my patterns of uh, being a poor student and did my first year. Wasn't invited back for my second year. Hmm. Um, And... um, I got to the end of that first year and, you know, I got to a point where I was, I was sensing that I was in the promised land, um, meaning I was, the pl- I was in the place that God was calling me. I felt like I was where I needed to be, but I was missing the promise. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it was time to start talking with some folks who were smarter than me that you know, maybe could speak some wisdom into my life. And so I started reaching out to some uh, mentors, some friends, 
and you were one mm-hmm. of them. Basically shared with you, if you remember this, you know, where I was at, what I was going through and just felt a little bit lost. And you asked me a really interesting and important question. Do you remember that question? Yes. The question was, is acting the only thing that you're called to do? Mm. And my response was no. Um, and I vividly remember telling you, I've never told anybody this before, but ever since I was young, I felt like God was calling me to be uh, a priest. Um, I remember you laughing and saying, a priest? Are you even Catholic anymore? Like, what What do you mean a priest? I was like, well, if God, I'm getting, being called, you know, what, what else would I be? And you were the first one to introduce to me this idea of being a minister. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's a minister? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, after some conversation, um, I remember you asking me another important question. If you're being called by God, are you willing to do whatever it takes to answer that call? Right. Meaning, um, are you willing to say yes to God, uh, no matter the cost? Mm -hmm. And, um, at that time I got to a point where the answer was yes. I knew that I didn't want to continue to live in a promised land wandering i wanted to be living in the promised land with the promise you then said well if you're willing to do whatever it takes the next step for you is to go back to school Mm -hmm. and i i just (laughs) i felt devastated Mm -hmm. like oh no of course the very thing the one thing i said i would never ever 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 do ever again the one thing that i'm horrible at is the one thing that i'm now being called to go do Um, so i said okay fine I'll, i'll go do my bachelor's degree i can do that i could do four years to which you came back and said, well, actually, a minister has a master's degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> At that point, I was like, you know what? Like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm in. Uh, I don't feel like I have what it takes to do it. But if God's calling me to do it, he's going to give me what it sure. takes. Um, and I would say, too, that calling always involves a cost. Right. And so that's an important point that we see in your life of a financial cost, a cost of going back to do something, a feeling like this is unattainable, impossible. So the calling, would you say, involves a cost? Oh, for sure. I think more than cost, I would say like sacrifice. Like uh, for me, I had to like let go of first and foremost, my ideas of what my life would be, my idea of how it would go, my idea of the timing but then also like the practical sacrifices that I wanted, you know, to move to L.A. and get an agent, start booking jobs and just be like a famous actor and just be like working in the industry. That's like what I wanted. And I feel that maybe God was leading me in a different path. And I wasn't very happy with that at that time. I was like, well, like, what about why am I in L.A. then? I can just go be a minister anywhere. Like, why am I here? Um, and so the cost is first one's will being aligned with what, what God's will is. But then I think the other cost is, again, practically, like now I'm going back to school. I didn't have the financial support from my parents. Um, I wasn't very good in high school. So how am I going to now be successful in college and then go on to get my master's degree? Like what? Like Overwhelming. Yeah. Like it, it was impossible. It wasn't something that I was going to be able to do on my sure. own. And by the end of it, felt like it was the path of redemption for me a path of reconciliation that um, I believed for too long, whether it was communicated to me directly or if it was just something that I believed uh, subconsciously about myself, that I was dumb, mm-hmm. that I couldn't do school, that I, I wasn't the academic one in the family, that this wasn't my pathway, that I wasn't smart. Um, I learned over time that I am smart. I can even surprisingly enjoy school. Mm-hmm. 
I can succeed. I can be successful. I can do this Mm -hmm. and I can enjoy Mm -hmm. it. And then what happened then towards the end of your schooling time in terms of the direction of where you were pointed? And so it was really in my last year of seminary at Fuller that um, uh, one of the requirements is to do an internship at a church. Um, And so I was serving at that time at um, a local church. Uh, But needless to say, long story short, I realized very quickly uh, that I did not want to work in a church. I saw the uh, behind the curtain, if you will, and realized, gosh, this is not really where I feel called. Um, So um, actually... Like I was when I first moved to L.A., I was back to a point of like, gosh, I need to reach out and talk to some folks. And again, you were one of those people. Mm-hmm. You were the one to say to me, well, what about chaplaincy? And I said, what's chaplaincy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that <laughs> is. Uh, what are all these terms uh, that you keep coming up with? I don't even know what that is. Um, and you were the one to find um, uh, this program. It's called Clinical Pastoral Education. Um, CPE and um, felt like, gosh, this may be a good step or transition. I don't feel called to hospital ministry per se, but maybe a good way to transition where there's some class days and there's some you know ministry days. So I'd be serving like in a hospital as a chaplain. And so that's what I did. I signed up to be a uh, chaplain resident at Providence St. Joe's in Burbank. Um, and I fell in love with it. And it's interesting that you say that you didn't feel called to hospital ministry, but you must have followed some of the crumbs that you just talked about. Right. Um, and you knew the place where you were supposed to be once again, right. but you didn't feel like, oh, I want to sign up to work in a hospital. Exactly. The sense that I had of the directional call that I had was away from traditional ministry, away from like church ministry, yes. towards the direction of non-traditional ministry. Yes. And the only place that that was actually being done in like a formalized job that I would be potentially paid for was hospital chaplaincy. And so because I knew chaplaincy was closer to where I was being led, although it wasn't the destination, it was the direction, I went in that direction. That's one of the like the main things that I've learned in the whole process that, is that when you say yes, you're not saying yes to the thing per se. You're saying yes to God and then saying yes to the people that you're serving along the way. And as you go along your way, you're learning and picking up skills and tools that you're going to mm-hmm. then be using through your ministry for the rest of your life. So every time I say yes, I feel like I grow as a person. And every opportunity that I say yes to makes me even better for the next opportunity that comes. Hmm. I'm wondering if folks would ask what lessons that you have that you've learned personally about Mm. calling. Yeah, I would say the first um, is to answer the call. Just say yes. Mm -hmm. It's hard, as I've described, but it's always been worth it. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. I, I think the second thing, too, is if you're being called, if God is calling you to do something, Um, You should also call on your team. Call those people in your life Mm -hmm. that have been there for you, that have been there with you, who can help you discern what the call is and can support you as you answer the call. And the third thing Mm -hmm. is that calls can be transferred. Um, It's possible that you are serving in one place and then God calls you to serve in another place and that you take those skills that you learned in that place and serving those people to the Mm -hmm. next people that God's calling you to. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing your journey with us. I know that I've learned a lot, and I know our listeners will glean a lot. We just thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.